Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Holy heartbeat! Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the podcast. Holy cow, 114 degrees today in the Bay Area. Super hot and super sweaty. I am ready for 2020 to be over. And not to mention that now they're saying we're going to have rolling blackouts in the next couple days, which means we're going to have no power, absolutely nothing. Ugh, I'm just so ready for this to be done. In any case, we have a super stellar guest on the show today. Chris Loxamana, he is the producer, the guy over at Corolla Digital. He produces all of the fantastic shows that you and I know and love. The Dr. Drew Show, The Adam and Dr. Drew Show, CarCast with Adam Carolla, The Water Cooler, which is his own show. I mean, goodness gracious, this guy is busy. He's a musician. He does so many different things. He keeps all of the trains running on time. This is going to be a fun conversation. I think you're going to like this. Well, I know you're going to like it. And the cool thing was is that Chris actually recorded this from Corolla Digital Studios, which was a lot of fun. I was geeking out hardcore and I got to talk to Gary, who was also one of the main producers of the show as well. So that was just a big kick for me. (laughs) I love it. This is why I do what I do, because I get to talk to such amazing people. But this conversation with Chris is the absolute best, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Chris, welcome into the show, sir. It is great to have you on the podcast today. Hey, Brett. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. For those listening, you probably don't know this. I've said this a lot, but when I'm interviewing people, I can often see them. And we're here with Chris Loxamata. He is the producer, the guy for Corolla Digital, and he's actually in the studio right now. And yep. I'm kind of geeking out a little bit. <laughs> I got to talk to Gary for a quick second. So we're legit now. If there was yeah. ever a question before, um, and it's a relief too, because you have all the gear there and stuff. So you know what's up. But thanks for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. You're such a busy person. I was going down, you have your podcast, you do production for adam carolla's show dr drew yeah my goodness you i mean how do you find time to do all of this how do you make it work uh to be honest i'm still figuring that out uh so we do five episodes of the adam carolla show a week and that's a couple hours every day um that's just on air that not including any of the prep or anything like that uh i also do car cast which is adam's car show uh dr drew podcast um, and then I do the water cooler, which is the show I do with, with the staff here uh, after hours. And yeah, I think that that might be it. Maybe it's not as much as we thought. Um, well, oh, yeah, my I, goodness, I, <laughs> that's a lot. I I do one show, so I can't imagine doing five. And then you're a musician and and all of that. So yeah, that sounds like music. a lot to me. Yeah, music is kind of my escape from all the podcasting. Uh, it's still like an audio medium. But it feels totally different and it's a whole different it feels like it's a different identity altogether when I'm doing it. So, yeah, I like doing it just to kind of get away. It's like my vacation from from all the, all the podcasting stuff, because other than that, my brain is just 24 seven podcasting. There's a lot of a lot of content we're putting out there. 
Um, but yeah, finding yeah. The time is, is yeah, I'm still figuring it out to be honest, but I'm, it's kind of just putting my head down and, and, and trying to just make things happen. I imagine you have to be quite organized, right. To make sure that all of this gets done and the trains don't stop. Yeah. Organization is very important, but it wasn't always that way. Um, when I first started, I've been, I've been here for 10, a little over 10 years, almost 11 years. And yeah, I mean, when I started here, everything, it, it was very unorganized. And, and it was also because there wasn't any podcast, real, real format or path. So podcasting was still new. And so just seeing how everything was kind of just turned upside down, literally when we were here um, and the ways we were recording and, and just how everything was kind of done, not knowing if this is the correct way or the wrong way. Uh, would would get you a little unorganized, but now there's a lot more of a format, and I'm able to to get things done a little bit better and in a more uh, streamlined manner because of the organization. Yeah, well, I would think because you have so many things going in and out every single day. I want to get to that, but I've been wanting to ask this question: When COVID hit and we got locked down. Was it difficult for you guys to pivot and go, oh, crap, now we have to do this remote versus being able to come into a studio every day? You have everything there, all of your equipment, your crew and your talent shows up, they record and then they leave. Yeah. So I remember it was a we we, we typically would record Monday through Friday. And when we record Fridays, we record Friday morning at 1030 and we would air it the following Monday. So they were kind of banked over the weekends um and i remember driving into work on friday morning and we got word because we the stay-at-home orders happened but we thought that we were exempt okay and we thought okay let's just let's just go in i don't think adam cares either way um if we go in or not because it's such a small crew anyway that we'd be able to make it work but then we got the orders hey let's let's stay at home just to be in just just so we're aligned with our audience and and in the world it just seemed weird that we would think we were exempt from all of it compared to everybody else so we decided to stay home and i remember driving in that friday going okay i'm moving the recording i'm on the phone i'm moving the recording to sunday i gotta i gotta figure this out and and i got i came into the studio i just put all the gear into my my prius and I drove out to Adam's house and I set up a studio, a, a home studio set up at his house. Then I drove out to Brian's house who does our sound effects. So his studio, his setup's a little bit more elaborate with all of his, his machines. And I set up his studio and, and then, uh, and I did all this research on what could we do to make this as streamlined as possible and easy because now there, now there are a lot of different components at play. We have Adam who's going to have to record from his house, Gina at her house, Brian at his house, plus the guests, plus me at my house and Dawson, who's our announcer at his house. So there's, there's at least six places minimum that we're all coming in together from different parts of uh, anywhere actually. Uh, and, and we had uh, Jimmy Kimmel slated to come on the show and Kevin Ryder, who was the host of Kevin and Bean, because right, right. when the stay at home orders hit Kevin and Bean, which was Adam's old morning radio show, uh, ended Kevin got fired so so we got him on the show and I remember just trying to organize all the just everybody the guests the talent and everything for a Sunday night record that hopefully just wouldn't go wrong 
and it, it and it worked. So we were able to do it, and it. I mean, there were some hitches. I know the audio wasn't nearly as great as if they ended up recording on their end or using Squadcast or things like that. We used Zoom. And and I just wanted to make it as simple as possible, just where they click one link and they're in and they can just start talking. Because I care about content more than I care about quality. Uh, and so I, as long as we had, because if they were worried about how they sounded too much, I didn't want them to think about that. I just wanted them to put on a good show. And we'll all worry about the quality and make sure it sounds okay. And that's what we did. And we did that for a couple months. And then eventually Adam just started coming back in the studio with me. And we it's just usually me and Adam and Dawson and a couple other guys in their offices if they need to be. And we zoom, we still Zoom in all the co-hosts and guests. So we're still getting used to it. But at the same time, we're kind of used to it now. And I think we're, we're making it work. Have you heard any of the, the Zoom shows? Well, <laughs> it's funny because I use Zoom a lot for a lot of my guests because sometimes they're just on the go so quickly and talent doesn't have time necessarily to sit down and click open a program and kind of get in front of a microphone and prepare right. They just want to get it done and they want to be out. I did hear the Zoom shows, but I like your perspective on quantity over quality like you want to have a good show right you want to get the best out of the guests especially if you have talent that's coming in like jimmy kimmel or whoever and they don't have time to sit down and kind of prepare to get in front of a computer right and record so you have adam and everybody do their thing and then you kind of take care of it on the back end right and that's how you make it be successful. And I, I didn't think it was bad. I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is that when you have something like this, and then all of a sudden, like the rug is kind of pulled out from under you, you have to make it work, right? There's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts. And I'm sure you've got Adam amongst other people coming at you saying, how are we going to make this work? That The pressure has to be high, I would imagine. That was a rough day because I'm simultaneously installing studios into people's houses while figuring out how are we going to do this? How long are we going to do this? What do I need to set them up for? Something that's just going to last a couple of days? Or is this going to be a more permanent thing where I'm really going to have to do something a little more intricate? And yeah, so it was a lot of questions being asked while executing. But you're, but as you said, and it was it's content over quality. And I still think the quality was good, was good. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was it was good enough to where people still were able to hear what they were saying and communicate and we were able to get shows out. So uh, we're pretty happy with how they turned out. Well, I think when you're operating at your level and you are on this national, international network, it's okay to just kind of have days where you just get through, right? And make it happen because you, you're, you're getting asked questions like you mentioned, but you there's not a lot of time to just stop and think necessarily, right? You just have to get it going, make it work, and then kind of look at it later and go, okay, what could we do differently tomorrow, right? That has to be the attitude. Yeah. And it's always, what can we do to improve? That's always on our mind. And and also, it's just like being worried. I mean, after we did the show, I, I went on every other podcast and every other show and, and thought like, what what's Stern doing right now? And I'd, I'd listen to what he did and things like that. And I'm like, okay, I think we're doing better than Stern quality-wise. So I think we're okay. If Stern's doing that, then we're okay. And then there's some shows that would record on their own and kind of marry it, marry the audio files together. I'm get, I might be getting too technical here, but... No, no. That's part of the reason why I had John here, because a lot of my audience are podcasters, and this is an opportunity to talk about a lot of that. And so, no, you're in good company, my friend. Okay. Yeah, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I geek out over it, too, because obviously... 
just now we lost connection but it's for me it's easy to go in and just edit it and it's seamless and nobody would ever know the difference other than us talking about it right but yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then they'll know yeah so i have a lot of podcasters friends of mine who listen and when i told them you were coming on you know they're like what you know so it's it's all good because I I think it's important to put your best foot forward in, in what you're doing. But I do one show a day or a week. You know, I have my talent. I interview them. I book them. I edit. I do the social media. I have somebody that helps me a little bit when it comes to kind of the graphics part of it. But totally, you know, it's a one-man show. And But it's okay, though, because I remember... When I started podcasting, Adam's masterclass on podcasting is the first resource that I connected with. I remember him saying that, you know, it's a lot to do, but it's easy work. It's not hard work to do. It's a matter of putting together something and editing it. And so I kind of want to delve in a little bit to the technical aspects of podcasting. Sure. As someone like yourself, who I'm sure a lot of people want your time and they ask you, how can I do this? How can I do that? What are some of the biggest challenges that you see beginning podcasters face that sort of puts a wall in front of them and keeps them from doing what you just said and just going forward and doing it and getting the content out there, if that question makes sense? It it does. So you got to find a balance um, because there are a lot of corners that you can cut. And I don't recommend it because all the little details that you add into your podcast, the artwork... The, the bits that you do or the segments that you do, the where you can add a little production, you're going to put, because you can tell like when podcasts kind of go back and actually put effort into it. Oh, we're going to edit this out. Oh, we're going to add this little musical cue into here. We're going to add a sting here. We're going to, our, we're going to make, make our artwork very professional looking. All of our photography is going to be top notch, all that stuff. So all those little details that you do can, will add into a, a large product that, that you just want to look really slick and be really slick because people are going to see you first and then they'll, and then they hear you, make sure your audio is good, make sure your um, and, and as I said, content, make sure whatever you're saying is worth people listening to. And, and that's really big. Um, and also invest in yourself. I, I was thinking as far as like, if you're going to spend money doing a podcast, doing like, promotion, branding, advertising, all that stuff I think is really important uh, just to just to break out of the uh, the fold there because there's a lot of podcasts out there and you want to you want to stand out in a way just even if people just kind of even if they don't hear listen to your podcast after you buy your Instagram ad or whatever if they just hear your name once and then some one of their friends goes oh I was listening I was listening to this podcast you go, oh, I've heard of that one. And then you'll maybe you'll check it out afterwards. So it's just it's weird. Mark like marketing, I think, is really big. And um, but at the same time, just treating it like almost like a job coming out consistently uh, with episodes on the right time on the right day. And and yeah, just having something to say. I mean, it's, it's really basic and it's like a, it's a no death thing. But you'd be surprised how many people do podcasts and you listen to them and you go, they, do they even care? And I, I prefer somebody that cares. Wow. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I listen to a lot of shows it's, and just kind of harken back to what you said about Stern. It's kind of funny about that because out of all the people, I mean, he'll never hear this show, but it, out of all the people that you thought would have been like on the pivot to get things done, I think there was jokes going around about, you know, those he was using one of those old and this is a radio guy. I can't remember those broadcasting units that have the big antenna that you pull up and you just take it somewhere and park it. 
<laughs> and then you just have a microphone and then through the magic of radio signals, you can remote in to, you know, whatever you're doing. And I can't think of the name of it. But in any case, I think you have to care, right? Like you can't just get into this and do it just for like the wrong reasons, right? There, there have to be the right reasons. When somebody comes to you, let's say they run into you out on the street or whatever, and they ask you or they see you in an event and say, should I start a podcast? What what do you tell people who have never had the experience and they ask you, should I do it? Like, what advice do you give them, Chris? I would say I, I would say do it. I mean, go for it. You want to you want a platform? You want your voice to be heard? Absolutely. Um, don't do it thinking you're going to become a big famous podcaster. Uh, but I mean, if if there's something you really just want to get out there, whatever whatever you're working on then do it. And if it's great, it will be great. People will find it. Also, have an opinion. Nobody wants to turn on a podcast and hear a person who's wishy-washy about things and and that just wants to kind of just be on the fence and doesn't really want to give either side because they want to please everybody. That's not going to work. Think about all of your favorite podcasters, all of your favorite people in media. It's because they they have an opinion and and you just can't be shy to uh, to give it out in, on, on certain things. I think I think that's really big, too. And that there's a lot of people out there going on podcasts think they just want to please everybody. And, and there are shows that, that I mean, God, there, there are shows on TV that do it and, and they, they do fine. But I think uh, I think you'll get a lot farther if uh, if you have something to say. And I always just say, go for it. Yeah, I think that is a common misconception when you start out a show and you think that you're going to get sponsors right away or <laughs> you're going to be the next Adam Carolla. I, I, I joke about that, but what people often don't understand is that there's 20 plus years of other things that he has done before he started podcasting, right? I think the story goes, you know, he tried stand up and, you know, the the rumor or the assumption was is you do stand up on Carson or wherever, Kemmel, I don't know. And the phone's going to ring the next day and people are going to just want you <laughs> to just be this thing. But really, it's not. And I think when it came to podcasting, you know, the success that he experienced so quickly obviously was because of everything that he's done. But I think he's kind of set the standard for podcasting, right? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, even Joe Rogan attributes his podcast to Adam. And he set, he set the standard while simultaneously not knowing what he was doing, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing, too. When he started, he didn't know what podcasting was. He didn't know exactly what this thing is going to be he just he just wanted his voice to be heard and uh and it worked out for him so yeah and you're right not everybody is going to be an adam carolla but maybe someone there are going to be people who are going to be much more bigger and influential than adam sure so it's i, I always just say yeah just go for it the more the merrier sure and if because uh, who knows if something's really great that's going to be put together i'd love to i'd love to find it yeah and i think you know podcast one has helped certain shows kind of get their name and voices out there who, you know, meet those criterion to be on that network. But I think too, and I didn't know this until earlier, until later on that, you know, it's, they're not just paying people millions of dollars to put their shows on there. You know, they're on there because they're meeting certain standards and they have quality shows and it gets, you know, helps that network build. Right. And to, I mean, obviously we know Adam is, 
kind of the helm of that whole ship. I like your answer in the sense of just do it, right? And I think that's what holds us back as people who want to create content. Now, I want to talk about the topic of imposter syndrome because it kind of goes hand in hand with this. Do you ever have moments where you're just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is insane. You know, why am I here versus like, you know, somebody else? (laughs) Oh, all the time. I mean... And yeah, uh, as far as imposter syndrome goes, I'm, I have to be one of the case studies. I, I feel it all the time, no matter what I'm doing. And it's totally crazy, especially I work in a, a very public forum. So I get tweets, social media comments. Oh, what is this idiot doing? Who is this guy? What, what, like he's doing this wrong. And it's from people who don't even really, who aren't here and don't really understand really what's going on. So it's kind of, it's amusing, but it still hurts at the same time. I'm just thinking, wow, I have to spend now the next three hours of my life ruminating and lamenting and trying to figure out a a witty response. And then, I mean, I spent a long time doing that and living my life that way. Now I'm kind of in a, in a better place where it's like, who knows the show? Who knows what I do better than I do? And so I'm kind of getting those voices out of my head. And uh, yeah, no, and in every aspect, it, it's like that. And you're right when you said that it's it's just about doing it. Um, I know you, you you mentioned, at least in the in the email you sent me, that you want to talk about music. One of my favorite songwriters is a guy named uh, Dan Wilson. He he was in, he's he's in the band Semisonic. Who wrote that song, Closing Time. Closing Time. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have the rights. I should probably shouldn't. Uh, hum, hum the melody. <laughs> we uh, can, yeah, I know. Right now, this <laughs> he's um, like, I'm going to test your skill set and see what happens now when this, you know, it's all good. Not, um, not, we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And he's a great pop songwriter in his own right. He wrote, uh, he wrote one of Adele's hits, and I, I follow him a lot on his songwriting philosophy. And he's a, he's a great follow if you just go on Instagram or or Twitter and follow him. But uh, something that he always says is just just be done with it. Just finish it. Uh, even if there's a line in the second verse that you're not in love with and it was just a filler line, who cares? At least you have a song that's done compared to uh, a song that you're just going to be working on forever. So try to finish it. Try to just do it and and put it behind you so you can get, be on to the next thing, whether it's your second podcast or your or your next podcast, your, your whole new show, whatever it is. So work on the execution and and hitting that goal. Um, I think is is really important. Yeah, I think that's key and a big takeaway in this conversation. Now, I do want to talk about your music because it's great. I've been listening to it over the last few weeks since we were able to set this show up. Thanks. And you mentioned earlier on, yes, that it's an it's really a refuge for you, a creative outlet that allows you to clean the palate of your brain <laughs> from dealing with all of this from personalities to production to tweets when people say dumb things or mean things, as Kimmel said, as in says, why are you doing this? You know, which for me, if if I had that, I don't know how well I would handle it. But let's talk about music. You've been doing music for a long time. What are some of your influences and what do you like to listen to that helps you create and to get to the space where you can write the music that you write. All right. So, I mean, obviously, that's that's a hard question um, to to answer, just because I, I like to think I listen to a lot of different things. Um, as far as getting in a creative space, it depends if I'm looking at lyrics versus songs. But I mean, I'm really into melody. I like just good, solid melodies. And and I grew up listening to rock bands and pop punk and and all those. Uh, 
because in, in the late nineties is when I really started focusing a lot of, of my attention to music. And um, so like, for instance, like Blink-22 comes to mind. They were the ones who really taught me melody. Uh, and uh, and the, the reason I even picked up a guitar and then once I figured out how to play all their songs, I moved on to uh, people that are a little bit more complicated. And then I started going back and listening to Jimi Hendrix and Clapton and and uh, learning how to play my guitar a little bit better than the bands I grew up listening to. And uh, and just uh, and then I started learning jazz and I started going to school for that. And and it all just kind of evolved into just I like anything. I, it's hard to it's hard to say. I like both simple. I like I more more simple songs than not, but I do love. I, in the songs I write, I'm almost always I almost always have sevenths in my chords, just because uh, I learned it and I like to I like to utilize what I've learned. But yeah, I mean, I wish I had my phone on me. I just read you off my Spotify liked songs. Who have I been into recently? Uh, there's a band out of I think it's Ohio called the Greeting Committee. They're very good. Uh, the Sheepdogs, um, and then I like. Uh, I like a lot of 90s R&B just because that's what I grew up listening to before the rock stuff and Queen's very big in my book. God, it's yeah, I feel like such a, a dummy just not even being able to mention any of the influence. Oh, no, that's you're fine. You know, I, I don't. Yeah, I kind of put you on the spot there. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I should be able to answer that. God, uh, but I just love noodling. Like I wake up. And uh, and I just love picking up the guitar. And then before I go to bed, it's always nice. It's kind of like my nightcap. I don't really drink a ton. But I will. But when I play guitar, I, I, I imagine that's what it feels like to just need that nightcap and just kind of just turn off the brain for a little bit and uh, and just go into like a little happy space. So, uh, yeah, I mean, music is my favorite, absolute favorite thing in the world. And well, I imagine, too, it just helps you unplug, period, whether it's whether you're playing music or writing music or just in the car from the studio where you're at to your house. Right. For me, you know, podcasting is is a creative outlet, but, you know, I have my son, I'm a single father, so I, you know, we're homeschooling and all of that now. So that's kind of my out as far as that goes. And I like watching television since this pandemic hit. I think I've been binge watching more shows than I probably ever watched when I wasn't in a lockdown. So to oh, speak. I think, oh, I bet everybody's doing that. What What shows are you watching? Or what, Impractical like the- Jokers has oh. been my jam. In fact, I had Casey Jost on a few weeks ago, and we talked a little bit about the show and kind of what's next for those guys, you know, if they're going to be able to start filming or not. Um, and apparently they have some kind of plan or semblance as to what they're going to do. But yeah, Impractical Jokers, Cabanaro, I've been stuck watching those guys. Like true TV guy. I am. You know, well, I have to tell you, and like, I was never really into that show before and Practical Jokers, to be honest. Like, I would watch it in the background at work and stuff because we had TV on when I was working. And I would kind of think this is really kind of weird. Like, who buys this kind of stuff? Well, when I got put on lockdown and furloughed, the more episodes I watched. Yeah. So to say, to answer your question, true TV guy all the way and Practical Jokers, 100%, you know, and I've, I've tried to get them on and they're just so busy, like they just don't do a lot of press, you know? Yeah. Um, But in any case, yeah, true TV guy. But I, I, it's funny because my son likes to watch certain shows over and over again. And I'm like, where in the world does he get this from? And then I look at myself and I'm binge watching episodes over and over again or YouTube clips. <laughs> so I go, well, he gets it for me because I'm, like stuck on this thing and 
you know, it helps with the creative process too. You know, I feel like I get inspired by that, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it motivates me to create and to interview. And, you know, the pandemic has been very good to me in the sense of just being able to get a hold of people and just to create content consistently, like we mentioned earlier. I want to ask you, do you ever have moments where you don't feel like being a creative person, whether it's producing or music? Nothing in particular, just kind of this overlooming feeling where you're like, I'm kind of exhausted and I just don't want to keep moving because I'm so burnt out. Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, a lot of it is, um, I mean, if, if anybody listens to The Cruel Show, I'm, people will know that sometimes Adam will get upset with me or or maybe I'll, I'll F something up. And I think, I think I'm really hard on myself and to where it'll affect me all day if, uh, if I think I really messed something up or, I, or maybe I took a misstep and uh and it would it would i would lock up i mean for years i was like this i would just lock up and i couldn't i couldn't why why bother why even why even why even what what why am i even doing this or i i don't feel like coming up with a funny segment right now i'm i'm not in the mood or you know just things in life if something really upsets me i i would i would let it affect my my creative part my creative self and sometimes you just got to force it out like look i work on a comedy show and if I'm if I'm not feeling funny or if I'm not feeling happy or something like that, I can't let that bring down the product. And so I and I'm still kind of figuring this out, but just a way to separate to where I could still be creative and still feel emotions r- regardless of, of whatever they are. And and I think that's that's uh, that's something that I'm, I think is important. And I'm and I'm learning how to, and, and comedians do it all the time. I mean, God you have a bad day and then you're, you're about to go perform stand-up comedy. Like, I don't know. How, how do you, how do you do that? And there's a way to separate it to still do something and create something that, you, that you're proud of and still uh, feel emotionally told. But also as far as just like not letting things get to me, cause I, I can look at the bigger picture and see what is more important right now, me moping around or me creating something that was actually going to connect with people. And, yeah, I, I choose the latter. Wow. I think it's it it takes a lot to get to that place, right? Because, I mean, we've heard episodes of the show where Adam's giving you a hard time. And I think for the average listener, we might hear that and go, oh, that's just shtick. Uh, but I, I don't know how much of it's <laughs> shtick. Sometimes it's shtick. Oh, at least I like to think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? You're probably like, oh, he's giving me a hard time. This is our banter. But in any case, it's got to be tough. You know, you mentioned this earlier, and I want to kind of explore this a little bit about the tweets and the things that people say. Do you feel like the general public of the listeners of the show, did they have this? Do you think they have some sort of certain impression of you uh, versus like what's true? I think the the majority of the impressions of me, which which I like is who cares? Like, I don't really I don't I don't. Um, yeah, I don't really think, or at least more, most people have been very nice, to be honest. It's, it's at least when I see people reach out to me and I, and I love, I mean, you reached out to me and you've been, you've been very nice. I just, I think, uh, it's just the, the negative stuff is for some reason is the loudest to me. And maybe just because it amplifies the imposter syndrome that, uh, that you mentioned earlier that, oh my God, they are right. I am a phony. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and that, that really just, just feeds it, It's, it's like feedback in my brain. Or just if the longer it's in there, the louder it gets. And when really there are a lot of nice things that people say to me and, and I really appreciate. And I'm not looking for praise, but I but it's always appreciated and 
And I just, uh, I'd rather just do something that I'm proud of. And I think in that mindset, it's actually helping out um, in all aspects of life. Well, I, yeah, I think that has to be true. And when I talk to people and, and when I pitch guests for my show, Talent and Things, you know, I often get asked, you know, can you please not cover this or can you not talk about that? And that's just not my style. Now, I do like to get people to talk about things that they don't normally talk about. If it's a project or something or I promise something, I want to cover it, but I'm not after the gotcha story. Like to me, that's just not interesting. But I will push back on occasion on people and ask questions in the sense of like, if you're talking about something like an impression that people have of you or whatever, I kind of want to know that just genuinely out of concern as a human being, because, you know, I don't know what it's like to be you other than what we talk about in this conversation and what it's like to just kind of what I hear on the air, whether it's from Dr. Drew or Adam or, or whoever is giving you a hard time or whatever's happening, you know, <laughs> Adam, let's go to this clip. You know, where's the clip? There's no <laughs> clip. And then he PTSD right now. Yeah. Giving me PTSD right now. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it's just, I don't know what it's like to be you as a human other than what I hear you say. And that's to me, the most important thing in any conversation that I have with a guest is I kind of want people to walk away and go, okay, I didn't know that about Chris, or that's interesting, you know, that he's a human being and has feelings and emotions. He's not just like this robotic person that runs around and pushes buttons. You know, I was just even thinking back to your story at the beginning about trying to get people set up during a pandemic. I don't know how I would handle that. Like to me, you know, I struggle with imposter syndrome as well. And some of the people I talk to, I get people asking me all the time, do you pay for guests? You know, do you pay for talent to come on your show? And that just irritates me when people ask me that. And my friends tell me who cares if you did or you don't. It's nobody else knows but you. And so that's all that matters. Just like you said, kind of as we come to this is just you put out a good product, you do the best you can, and you make it work. And obviously, you've been there for 10 plus years. So you're not going anywhere, right? Like you're there. Yeah, I love it. It's it's weird. It's fun. It's new every day. And yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I, I mean, I, I like every aspect of it, to be honest. It's just it's interesting. And, and, and even the bad stuff, like I, I still like it. I think I'm growing from it and it it helps. Being there 10 years and you say you still feel like you're kind of figuring it out. I hear comics talk like that a lot where they do comedy for 10 years. They have success and then they still are like, I can't believe I'm doing this or I don't feel comfortable yet. What what does that look like for you? Like we've talked about a lot of different little pieces to the puzzle. But if there was a big picture of Chris's life working for Corolla Digital, doing all this, like what do you think could get you to a better place to go, okay, now I feel more confident? Is there something that you're looking for a particular or is it just kind of getting used to this? The question makes sense. Like I'm kind of yeah. just trying to figure out what that would look like for you to go, okay, now I've got it figured out. I know you're not saying this out of arrogance, but just as a person, I'm kind of curious about that piece. Well, I, um, something also, about it, I don't know if I'll ever, I'll ever figure that out. I don't know if we'll ever hit a point where we can just go, oh, uh, this is what we do next because we don't know. And, and then and if I look back five years ago, I thought, oh, we already did it. And it, so it's kind of weird. You don't even realize you're doing it while you're doing it because you're just, it's so, it's so different. Um, there's no real path. It's not like you're building Ikea furniture and you know, okay, this goes here <laughs> and we do this. Like there's, there's no, there's no guide really. It's just, we're just kind of going with the flow, riding the wave. 
that is uh the entire world what's happening right now with society and the way people are consuming media and what people are people want everything on demand and, and things like that so there, there's really no it's very similar to uh and any guitarist will agree with me if you're play electric guitar finding the right guitar tone it's you'll they're they're guys called tone chasers and you just you're chasing that that holy grail of just perfect guitar tone when you realize you'll never get it because every day you wake up with a different tone in your head and you don't even realize it. Oh, this one has a little too much bass. Oh, so the next day, okay, I'll, I'll cut the bass. Maybe I had to touch a treble. No, it's not there. Actually, it does need that bass. And you're actually really doing the tone that you had yesterday. You didn't even realize it. So it's just, I think that's where we are right now with the podcasting is there are, pla- there are places we'd like to end up and there's things that we'd like to accomplish, but I don't think we'll ever have that plan of, okay, this is what we have to do next. It's just, we don't even realize we're doing it. Because we're because uh, it's still it's still a new thing and there's no real path that's been set. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think the one thing that and this is me just not knowing any of the details other than what I see on media. I think Joe Rogan and his deal with Spotify really, I think for the first time outside of what Adam's done, quantified what podcasting can look like. Right, like for them to be able to convince him to come to their platform exclusively, take 10 plus years of content on YouTube, move it all over to their new video platform that they don't even have yet, but they're creating now because they just want access to all of his content. Mm-hmm. I think that is a benchmark you know, for podcasting, but I agree with you. It's so different and new. Like I'm inside my house right now. I'm doing this from home. I have a microphone. I've invested a lot of money and equipment because I want to put out a good product and I want to leverage that and attract good talent like yourself and other people who would say, I'll come on and do it because, you know, I'm not bashing anybody, but I just, I want to make something that sounds good, right? That's not going to, and have good content too, right? And really, like we said at the beginning, love and show passion for what we're doing. I want to ask you again, as, as we wrap up here, I know you've had a long day. I want to talk about one more thing about podcasting. We mentioned that it's still new and kind of finding its course. Podcasting is not going anywhere, right? Like it's here to stay. I think it's totally here to stay. And I mean, you mentioned the Rogan deal. If nothing legitimizes this format and this medium more than how much money was just spent on it, I don't know what what, what would. I mean, as I said, when I, when I started here 10 years ago, People ask me what I did. Oh, I produce a podcast. I work on a podcast. And you t- and then the next question was always, "What's a podcast?" For years, and I, I always know. had. So there's, there, I would actually say I work on internet radio. That was for the first like four years that I was here. What do you do? Oh, I work in internet radio. And then at least it would, it would, there wouldn't be as many follow up questions because people kind of knew like Pandora was a thing or yeah, and there, yeah, and internet radio was was a thing. But but now I could say podcast and nobody asks me, "Oh, what's that?" In fact, they'll ask me what podcast which is kind of cool. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely just watching how much the entire medium has grown, especially with like when, when it was really like when serial hit, I think that's when people started realizing what podcasting was, which is cool. So just watching the growth of that, I, yeah, I don't see it going anywhere and, and just it, the whole thing is just constantly growing. So there's no, yeah, there's, I don't think there's any sign of it going away. Yeah. Serial, I think was kind of like what made it, I told my mom one time I did a podcast and she just like looked at me back. What do you get paid for that? No, 
Well, and the big question I get is, well, how do you book people or how do I get this person on my show or how do you do this, that? But yeah, like nobody knew what it was. It's been mocked, you know, I think Saturday Night Live did some bit about the potties, you know. Oh, great. Where, yeah. Yeah, it was great. If anything, it was positive press for what we do because, you know, it's like this is here. I mean, we joke about it, but it's been a great medium. I love it. And it's allowed me to talk to amazing people like yourself, because if I didn't have this, we wouldn't be having this conversation necessarily. And I think it's a great platform. One last question. What do you listen to? What is on your rotation of podcasts? If you. Oh, man. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, man. I apologize. (laughs) Well. Okay, so I'll be honest. I I listen to a lot of the shows here just because I work on them. So my whole day is listening to podcasts. <laughs> when I'm not, I, I I like listening to uh, different comedy podcasts. I, I love Bill Burr's show, uh, the Monday Morning Podcast. I love um, Bill Simmons' Bill the Bill Simmons podcast, and and uh, and with him and Ryan Rossillo is really great. Uh, I love the the new Office podcast, both of them. Um, oh yeah, Office Ladies, because I love that show. So it's kind of cool hearing the the rewatch of that show. I enjoy, let's see, I Bill Maher's show actually releases as a podcast, the one on HBO. So I, I, I can, I like listening to that rather than sitting and watching it because I can do other things while, while I'm listening to it. And I, I find them really entertaining. So Bill Maher's show is, a, is one that I, I, listen, I like to listen to a lot. Yeah, I wish I had my phone on me. And I, I totally just read you off the We'll just have you back list. again, man. And we'll talk yeah, about uh, other things. And the Office Ladies is great. When I when that show came out, I was like, "This is like the best thing ever." Because I listened to Ear Hustle. Uh-huh. You know, Gina recommended that when she did something, and they asked her, and she mentioned Ear Hustle. And I've been listening to that show from the beginning. That is like one of the best podcasts right here in the Bay Area. You know, it's local, so it's great. I want people to make sure they know about your music front of house presents Chris Loxamana, which is fantastic. All 500 shows that you produce at Corolla digital (laughs) (laughs) and keep the trains running on time. And all this information will be available in our show notes. We didn't even get into that. We can talk about that another time about show notes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the importance of show notes. We have a whole episode on show notes. Yeah, we'll really get down. I actually know people who would be all about that if we (laughs) talked about show notes. Because there are some people out there that just live or die by it. But I digress. Chris, (laughs) if people want to just connect with you, follow you on social media, Twitter, all nice things, how can they connect you can just Google me, Chris Loxamana, L-A-X-A-M-A-N-A. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Instagram, there's a one after my name. But yeah, just you, you'll, you'll be able to find me. And just uh, yeah, yeah, love to love to talk to you. Absolutely. And of course, again, I'm super excited. Chris was remote from Corolla Studios. Oh, yeah. Woohoo. And we got <laughs> to talk to uh, all the... <laughs> that was crazy. Chris, thanks for uh, being with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brett. It was good being on your show and uh, I love that you're doing this. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.